We are thrilled to welcome Eric Hoffman, a clinic director and team leader and ed therapist at my ed therapist, Steph's practice in Redondo Beach, California. We're really excited for you to hear this episode because Eric is so impressive and shares his profound knowledge of the work that he does and who he does it for with us today. We talk about executive function in boys. We chat about self-advocacy, some of the commonalities that Eric sees in the clients that he works with, including struggles with self-advocacy, goal setting, understanding their own values, motivation, and how to not give up when faced with a difficult task. He also shares with our audience the Eric EF scale. And if you are on our email list, you will have received that freebie in your email this morning. If you are not on our email list, go ahead and join us on our website, www.learnsmarterpodcast.com and sign up to join our email list. That email will likely have already gone out by the time you hear this episode. So go to the individual episode page and you can sign up there if you want to see that Eric EF rating scale. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 173 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today I'm really thrilled to have Eric Kaufman on the podcast. Eric is a member of the team at My Ed Therapist. Say hello, Eric. Hi, Steph. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I can't believe this is the first time you and I are meeting. And I put meeting in quotes because it's virtually, but I've heard so much about you. I feel like I know you and I know what's happening with you and all that. So it's got to be weird when our teams meet each other, Steph, or meet the other one. We know a lot about everything. and like It's true. But thanks so much for coming on. And why don't you give Eric the opportunity to sort of explain what his new role will be? Because by the time this airs... Go ahead and explain to everybody... Explain it to both of us, (laughs) who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name's Eric. I'm going to be the clinic director at My Ed Therapist. Right now, I am an educational therapist working with almost 20 different students, ranging from 5th through 11th grade. A lot of the students I work with struggle with ADHD and executive function, but I work with students on a wide variety of different learning challenges. Outside of ed therapy, I love surfing, snowboarding, backpacking, have four backpacking trips coming up here soon, which would be awesome. And what are you doing tomorrow? Tomorrow I'm running a marathon. So... I've been training with a good friend of mine who is a former coworker from when I used to teach. I taught for five years. Mm-hmm. He's a math teacher, good friend, and he and I are running a marathon tomorrow. Yeah, I've been training that for about three months. So that'll be exciting. Have an ultra marathon coming up in November. Yeah, he already signed up for the next one and he hasn't done the first one. Yeah. An ultra marathon's like 50 miles, right? So this one's 50 kilometers. So it's 31 miles. The next one up is 50. So we're going step by step. Okay. Yeah. That's so much better. (laughs) Amazing. I had like follow up (laughs) questions to the backpacking. Is that how people refer to camping? Is that what that is? Is that hiking and camping? It's hiking and camping. So you carry everything with you. You're not near your car for however long you're out there. I would never. In the spring, summer, fall. I mean, in the Sierras, it's absolutely beautiful. It's got to be one of the best places to backpack in the whole U.S. Okay, so how long is a trip? 
Depends. Last year, I did 100 miles of the John Muir Trail. So the John Muir Trail, I think it's about 220. I didn't have enough time to do the whole thing. So that was seven days. I did 100 miles. These trips, they're three to five days. So it ranges. Okay. So it makes sense why you like Southern California then. Yes. Surfing, (laughs) snowboarding, hiking. It literally has everything for me. It's perfect. He lives like two blocks from the beach too. Yeah. How long have you been out here? Since 2016. So I came out here to do my master's in special ed at LMU. At LMU, which is what Katie, who was on the podcast previously, also did that program. And then you're just like, I'm staying because LA is better than everywhere else. Yeah, because it's freezing cold in Massachusetts, probably (laughs) still. So, Not knocking everywhere else. It's just we have really beautiful weather. (laughs) Uh, New England's amazing too, but I can't do all of the things that I love for as many months of the year as you can here. I strongly considered moving to Boston after I graduated from school. I really just like that city. It's got like everything that I like about New York, but you don't have to live in New York. (laughs) So I strongly considered that. But being a California kid, I don't think I've ever truly been in snow. I don't think I'm equipped for it. I wouldn't know what to do. 150%. (laughs) A lot of jackets. You would not endorse that decision? Let's take bets on how long that lasts. That was 10 years ago. I was thinking about that. You would have been back. When I was out of college and idealistic about what my next move was going to be, I seriously considered it. I looked into jobs and stuff. Good times. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. I really wanted to have Eric come on the podcast because he has an incredible knack working with teenage boys in particular. Well, you're kind of a unicorn here because... This field is very female-driven and female-heavy, and both Steph and I are constantly looking on how to add diversity, both in gender and sex and ethnicity, to our team because we know how much value that offers. So you're a little bit of a unicorn. So tell us what is the magic sauce of working with (laughs) the boys? The magic sauce. Okay. Um, I guess guess for all the (laughs) listeners out there, just so you know, when we're talking about boys, we're talking about students who identify as male. Right. So yeah, most of the students I work with are boys. The special sauce, I would say being male, growing up and struggling in school, knowing that school wasn't the easiest for me, allows me to connect with these students in many ways. Also, you know, as I said before, I, I really enjoy being outside. I like sports, which a lot of my students play sports or on the high school team. So we're able to connect and, and kind of build that rapport. And with educational therapy, once we're able to get to know each other and build that trust, these boys that are often like really resistant to whatever changes or ideas that their parents and their teachers might have, they're more open to my ideas and suggestions. So I find that's a really nice way to kind of start things off. I am always so impressed. There's a lot of teenage boys that really the parents call going, I don't know if I can get my kid on board. I don't know if I really want this, but he has to want it too. And we talk about, you know, just giving it a shot and trying. And Eric has this knack for honestly just connecting with them in a way that some of them would ever connect with me. Can't tell you the amount of times where I've heard these amazing stories of things that Eric has gotten them to do that nobody else has gotten them to do. So I really wanted to break down some of the things that you tend to see, Eric, and what we can do about it. Sure. Yeah. I think one of the things that I see in almost every student I work with is a resistance to 
some sort of calendar or planner, whatever system that's going to be. On top of that too, like a lack of organization, whether it's their backpack or their workspace or their desk at school, their locker, and then also really struggling with like routines and habits. A lot of times these students haven't put thought into routines and habits or staying organized or using a planner or calendar. Because they don't see the value in it. Exactly. They think what they're doing is working and maybe they're like, none of my friends are doing it this way. And they're just stuck kind of like, this is how I'm going to do the the thing, whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work that I do when I first start meeting with a student is working on developing more self-awareness, having really honest conversations with ourselves is also really important. And also doing a lot of like reflective listening. So really just listening to these kids, hearing them out because they have legitimate struggles and concerns and stressors. And sometimes adults don't always legitimize those concerns. They don't always believe those concerns are true. So giving them a chance to kind of share and listen is really helpful. And again, it goes back to building that trust and knowing that we're on the same team and we're working together. I really like that you brought that point up because I don't think we've talked about it a lot, but it's absolutely something that comes up. I would agree with you, boys more than girls or kids who identify as boys more than kids who identify as girls, but Mm -hmm. they are sharing things with us that their parents have a narrative about or tend to be very dismissive of. But it's real for them. And oftentimes we are the first people who are hearing them, not just listening, but hearing what they're saying. And they'll be able to spit back the narrative, too, of like, my parents say this, but it's not, you know? Yeah. And I would love to hear an example, because I have an example of working with a teenage male you know, having this reflective conversation is very eye-opening. And I wanted to hear like some examples of what you have heard from some of the students that, you know, parents might be surprised about. Sure. Yeah. So I think recently, a lot of my students are struggling with what they call motivation. They say, I'm just not motivated. I can't do it because I'm not motivated. And I've learned, and I think a lot of us realize, right, that we're never really motivated to do the thing we don't want to do. Yeah. Right. So I've had a lot of really great conversations with students about like, well, how can we turn this around? Like, you're not motivated to do math homework because you don't like math. Okay. Well, what if we look at it from a standpoint of what your values are and what's important to you as a human being? And we'll have this open conversation where they'll kind of list out their values and Some of them have never even thought about this before. So it's a really great opportunity for them to consider who they are as a person. And then we can go back looking at this list of values and say, okay, when you're not motivated to do math homework, are you really representing who you want to be as a person? Are you living up to the person who you hope to be remembered as? And I had a conversation like this very recently with a student and it was pretty eye-opening for them, which was awesome to be a part of. And I heard some great things from their parents also about how they went downstairs and told their parents about it and how it helped them just get through that day of math homework, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. I love hearing that. You know, thinking about who you are as a person, what you want. This is something that I had a conversation recently with a kid and he identifies as male. And he was talking about being unmotivated to brush his teeth. And I was asking him, 
questions of why, what's going on behind that? Because it's not only school things we have to remember. There's life things that happen that are very hard for a lot of kids to do. And so when when I started asking questions about it, turns out the toothpaste that his parents bought him makes him feel physically ill. And I said to him, have you told your parents that? And he said, no. And I said, okay, well, is there a toothpaste that you know that doesn't do that? And it was this conversation about how it was a kid's toothpaste that he really liked, and it wasn't an adult toothpaste. And he's a teenager. And having the conversation about asking his parents for the kid's toothpaste again was what we talked about doing to help motivate him because he doesn't brush his teeth because he doesn't feel good after. To me, that was very like eye-opening. Put the socks in the car, right? Sharon Celine, wasn't it? She was talking about how sometimes like it's a really simple solution. Like every day, this family was having a battle over their kid putting on their socks. And they decided we're just going to throw the socks in the car and he can do it on the way to school. And he wore his socks every day. It was like such an easy fix. But sometimes we don't get curious about that stuff because we don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His parents might not want to buy the kid toothpaste because he's a teenager and he might be a little embarrassed and it might be a thing. But I understand because the flavors versus if mint, he doesn't tolerate the mint. Yeah. That's what adults are supposed to use as a toothpaste is mint. And maybe they want to use bubble gum. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm all for it. Bubble gum tastes better. For sure. Why not? So I think that just goes to your point, Eric, in the fact that looking a little bit deeper into what is really going on. And he does want to brush his teeth. He just can't tolerate it. So how can we make some changes? And if you're a parent listening right now, asking these questions and the responses that you get As long as you're taking them in, understanding that, as Eric said, that is real for them Mm -hmm. and not dismissing it, if you can, could be a game changer. Absolutely. I think another thing, too, for a lot of parents to know is that the way you do something probably works and it's probably a really great way of doing it, but it might not be the way your child wants to. And that's okay. Just because they're going to do something differently doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Because I'm working with students on developing their own systems that work for them and their profile. And sometimes I'm pretty confident their idea won't work that well. But they're so committed to it and they want to try it. So we let it go for a week. And maybe it's like a planner system where they're going to use, for example, I had a boy who identifies as male using notes in his phone because he did not want to use a planner. And we came up with a way that this might work. I was like, okay, let's test it out for a week. And to his credit, he did use it like almost every day for a week. And then to his credit, he came back and was like, yeah, this was not a good idea. Wow. And it was a really great opportunity though for him to, again, have an open and honest conversation with himself. He tried something out, didn't work. All right, let's try something new. And he was mostly willing to try a new idea. Again, it took a lot of reflective listening and being patient with a lot of these kids, but it was a really cool opportunity for him. Wow. I'm impressed that he even said that it didn't work. Yeah, me too. I'm curious when you agreed to do this in the notes and we can all understand why it didn't work, but it's impressive that he was like, okay, doesn't work. Did you guys define what success would be like? We will know this is an effective tool if X, Y, and Z are happening. 
Could you guys done that piece too? We did that the next week Okay. when we met. So I put in my notes ahead of time to ask him how it was going. Right. I think his response was something along the lines of like, oh, it's going okay. And I was like, great, tell me more. And he was able to be like, it worked for these reasons. And then I'm like, that's awesome. Can you think of any reasons or do you remember any times when it didn't work? And then he listed off many more. (laughs) And then again, trying to leave it open for him to really come to these realizations and not force feeding it from me. I'd say, okay, do you see this working for the next week and for junior year Mm -hmm. and for college? And that's when he was like, no, I I don't think so. Doesn't seem realistic. Fantastic. Hmm. I love that you gave him the space for that. This was a student that I've been working with for a while too. And knowing him, he is very resistant. So for him especially, he wants to test the waters himself and figure it out. I have other students who I work with where I'll ask them, be like, can I share a recommendation for you? And they're like, yes, tell me. And I let them know my idea and they're like, I'm in. And they try it out. So it really depends on the student. And this is why, as we know, sometimes you have to work with students for a long time in educational therapy. And for other kids, it's a little bit less time. It just depends on how receptive they are to the whole process. And whether they're a kid that needs to do it their way first or they're open to coaching. Mm-hmm. Just depends. It might fluctuate throughout their lives too. Yeah. So Eric, what else do you see that is pretty common? Another thing I see that's very common with a lot of these students is they don't know how to set short-term or long-term goals. And this is a big part of executive function as it's all about preparing for the future, whether it's for the rest of the week or for college and beyond. A lot of the students that I work with haven't actually considered what their goals might be. Mm -hmm. So another thing we do often at, at the beginning when I start working with these students is to talk about their goals and who they see themselves being in the future. And then using backwards planning, how do we get there? Can we just jump back a little bit with this planning, something that you just mentioned before we hit record that you were talking about yourself? Why don't you go ahead and share with the audience about what you were saying about that? Sure. So the school was really difficult for me growing up. Starting in, in third grade, I basically couldn't read. And I was able to kind of trick people into thinking I could read through using context clues and whatnot. But eventually, my third grade teacher caught on. And so school was really difficult. Math was really hard for me. And by the time I hit college, I was doing fine in school. I got into college. I was a rower in high school and in college and having a great time. But I had a moment where I realized like, if I don't start thinking ahead and planning and like writing things down, I'm not going to do so well. So one of the reasons why I got into education is I love working with kids. But I also realized like, wow, if I had figured out some of this stuff earlier on, my life would have been a lot better. So... I hope that I can bring this to these kids now. And, you know, back in high school, I wasn't thinking about goals. Like I was like, I want to go to college, but I didn't have any specifics beyond that. I wasn't thinking about what I hoped to accomplish next week or next month. And now I do. So I think it will be something that's really helpful for these kids to work on now. Absolutely. Like you've been training for three months for a marathon tomorrow. (laughs) That's some serious planning, (laughs) I must say. Yep, it is. And what is the other thing that you said that's really common? Another thing that's very, very common among these boys that I work with is difficulty with self-advocacy. They sometimes don't know who is on their team. I I refer to self-advocacy as the team, and I break it down with who is on the team. So sometimes we have to go through and make a list and just figure out parents, teachers, coaches, friends, etc., 
And the big one is when do you need help? When do you need to access the team? And this is where a lot of my students get stuck, where they don't realize that they've hit a roadblock or they don't realize that they're on the wrong path. So we work a lot on that and figuring out, yeah, now that you have the list, when do you go to each of those people? Depending on different situations, we'll role play different things. So can you give us an example? During distance learning, I had a student submit something that was like not very complete. He later actually realized that he didn't finish it, but had turned it in on Google Classroom. So he unsubmitted the assignment with the intention of doing it later, which is all pretty good. However, he didn't tell his teacher what was going on. So the teacher only sees a missing assignment and gives the student a zero. Unfortunately, the student is still working on using a planner, so he actually had forgotten that he was going to redo this assignment. Again, mm-hmm. exactly. Like great intentions just didn't quite have the follow-through. But yeah, so because he didn't reach out to his teacher and just say, hey, Mr. Whoever, I'm going to submit this on Friday. I hope that is okay. Something along the lines of that. He ended up getting a zero. Progress reports came out. Parents were unhappy, etc. And if he had just known that to do that extra step, just to reach out to his teacher, especially during distance learning, teachers were so accommodating and understanding, definitely would have had a different outcome. The teacher might have been able to even remind him to turn it in later as well. So this is an example of when self-advocacy gets so important. That being said, I want to talk about the two types of advocacy. We have the afterward advocacy that we think about a lot of times uh-oh, I made a mistake. I need to like speak up. Here's what happened, etc. But teaching them the pre-advocacy, I'll call it, of this is my plan and these are my intentions and really having the plan and following through is so important and something that we definitely always teach in educational therapy. But that's a great example because that kind of stuff happens all the time. I find with a lot of students too, who I've been working with for a while, they've gotten really good at looking ahead And they'll catch like, oh, I have three tests and a project due on that Friday. Nope. I'm emailing my teachers. Teachers love when students speak up and advocate for themselves, especially if you do it a week in advance. Totally. They'll absolutely move a project or allow you to come during tutorial to make up the test or something like that. Totally. It's also learning who you are as a person. And these types of communication skills help beyond in college and in the real world, et cetera. They really do. Little pro tip, you want to get hired at Maya Therapist or Cap Ed Therapy, send a thank you note for the interview. <laughs> it's like that type of behavior that makes you very desirable and wanted and hireable. Because if you're that conscientious, you're going to treat our clients that way as well. So little pro tip. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, moving on. What's the last thing that you see happen really often? I'd say the the last thing I see happen often is students giving up when facing a difficult task or situation. Yeah, this might go back to the goal setting or difficulty planning or not being as organized. But a lot of times the students will look at a homework assignment without even reading the directions, feel like they can't do it and give up, throw in the towel, take the zero. Especially with the boys that I work with, I see this all the time. So Although we don't do much schoolwork during sessions, there are opportunities here where they might show me that they're having trouble with this one assignment 
And sometimes it takes just reading the directions and breaking things down. Yes. And maybe we'll use like a little reading comprehension trick and underline the actual steps within the directions. And all of a sudden the student's like, oh, it's only three things. Yeah. Or maybe they have 45 math problems to do for homework, but because of their accommodations, they don't actually have to do all of those. So again, going back to self-advocacy, they can send that email to the teacher, let them know or ask permission to use their accommodation. And now all of a sudden they only have to do 22 of those 45 problems. Becomes more manageable, more realistic. They get a win, feeling better about themselves and it's all good stuff. Yeah. Last thing. So Eric, it seems like you really planned and prepared for this episode. Your EF was on point for us recording today. Yes. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about what I'm calling the Eric EF rating scale that you created that our audience will get if they're on our email list in their emails this morning? Absolutely. Yes. So I created a rating scale or almost like a little checklist for parents to use to determine if their child, male or female, might be struggling with executive function. Um, The rating scale is pretty simple. It's a one, two, three, or four, ranging from never to always. And it has little questions on here or little situations on here, such as my child knows how to set personal and academic short-term and long-term goals, or my child can create and follow schedules and routines. And basically, you can use the rating scale, figure out where your student falls, and determine will they need some help with this in the future. You know, you can use this in a variety of ways. Like parents can fill it out, but students can fill it out about themselves too. And that actually might bridge the gap and have some interesting conversations that can happen between parent and child Mm -hmm. in terms of what the parent is noticing and what the kid is experiencing. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Eric, it was such a pleasure for me to meet you for the first time. I've been side texting staff. How impressive I find you. truth. (laughs) And I'm glad for her practice that you are a part of the team and coaching the other clinicians there as well, because I know that's something that is really powerful and helpful to her. So thank you so much Mm -hmm. for coming on Learn Smarter. Yeah. And can you do our signature sign off, which is have a great week, Smarties? Absolutely. Thank you, Rachel and Steph. And have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week. (laughs) Have a great week. (laughs) 